Hi, I'm Brent Stafford, and this is RegWatch by RegulatorWatch.com. Plenty of good news recently regarding youth use of nicotine vaping products, with many jurisdictions around the world, including Canada, reporting steady declines in teen vaping. Most extraordinary are the stats for daily teen smoking, which the Canadian government stopped reporting because the number is so low it's considered to be unreportable. One might think with the plunge in teen vaping and near eradication of teen smoking that some of the regulatory pressure threatening adult access and choice to vaping products would finally ease up, but this is clearly not the case. Indeed, the outlook for vaping in Canada may be growing worse. Joining us today to discuss the compounding threats to the Canadian vaping industry is Daniel David, president of VITA, the Vaping, Tr vaping Industry Trade Association of Canada, and Michala Sinis, VITA's Director of Regulatory Affairs. Thanks to you both for coming on the show. Thanks, Brent. Thanks for having us. Okay, we've got a lot to go through. None of it pleasant, in my opinion. I'm sure our viewers are anxious for an update on the proposed flavor ban, and we'll get to that. We're going to do a deep dive into the official review of the Tobacco and Vaping Products Act, as there's very little time left. But let's start first with the immediate fire that's burning, and that's the recently announced federal excise tax on nicotine vapes. Dan, what's been the response to the announcement so far? Well, the, the, the response has been uh, uh, quite dramatic. Uh, I would certainly say that that there is a, a, a significant amount of, of confusion, there, uh, concern. Uh, there's, there's a lot of people that have, I would even define it as, as panic. Um, there, there's a lot of unknowns that are, are involved with this at this stage. We have to remember that the vaping industry is a pre-existing legal industry uh, that is now going through an excise tax uh, model and, and, and process. And that's different from the way other industries have had to deal with things. And that involves a lot of you know, confusion. And we're talking about small business owners and large business owners and, and applying something that's never been applied to this product. So uh, there's a lot of general unknowns. Um, and yeah, there's, there's a lot of concern and confusion. And Shay, you've got your ear to the ground with consumers, you know, with vapors out there. What's been the response with them? And to echo Daniel's remarks, there's a lot of unknowns. And, and that's something that we're hearing a lot about um, with our day-to-day -day conversations. And the large part of it is sticker shock. And what is this going to do for me? And why are we taxing harm reduction products? You know, they made an informed choice and an informed decision to choose vaping. And, and now they're being taxed. Dan, walk us through uh, the impact in terms of the actual overall cost on products. And I've got your slide here. I'll put right up. When it comes down to excise tax, I mean, you know, there's there's that that old saying. I mean, there's two certainties in life: that's uh, death and taxes. Um, you know, th there's always that that challenge where you know nobody wants to pay more for for something, um, especially as it relates to a harm reduction product. Um, when it comes down to like, you know, we're, we're, we're starting to talk about impact and, and, and pricing and, and that kind of stuff. That's, that's where we put up the, uh, uh, the, the graph there. What we're really looking at at this point, um, and this is, we have to understand that there are some uh, assumptions here just based on, well, assumptions, but uh, they're actually what's intended and what's written uh, right now. Now that doesn't necessarily mean that that's 
a hundred percent everything written in stone, nothing can change. It doesn't doesn't mean that it, this is a, a proposal. Um, however, the intent has been clearly identified. So the way that this would impact, uh, and it has different impacts on different products uh, categories. So the first one that we would look at, right, is the you know a bottle of e-liquid, which I mean for mo for a lot of you know longtime vapors, that's still how we how we use uh, vaping products. Um, it does have a fairly significant impact, no matter which way you look at it. Uh, we have, you know, a typical retail price for a 60 milliliter bottle of liquid. Uh, and again, this is assuming there's two sec sections of this, right? There's the federal uh, excise tax, and then there's the provincial uh, excise tax, which is optional. Uh, what we're looking at right now, what's going to come out would be federal excise tax first. There's still a lot of other things to go through on the provincial side. Um, but this graph, it kind of gives you an idea of where it would go. So right now for a 60 milliliter bottle, $24.99 uh, would be the, the, the standard kind of average retail price. Now, of course, that varies just like anything. Um, but then when you start looking at, you know, the, the tax that gets applied. Uh, so, you know, at the, at, the, uh, at the bottom, there's the optional provincial tax. The blue is the federal tax. Uh, the orange is, is general sales tax. And again, I mean, it, it does differ by province. Um, if it were to just go this way, exactly as proposed, uh, in a province that doesn't already have a tax regime, this is kind of what it would look like. So, uh, and that's, again, assuming that the provincial uh, side of things, that the province wants to engage um, in the provincial excise tax, which is probably pretty likely. Um, and so we're seeing a product that would sell, you know, for $24.99 plus HST, like in Ontario, uh, which, you know, comes out to an additional $5.85. So, you know, let's say 30 bucks. Um, it would add an additional $20 on top of that uh, when you combine federal and provincial. Now, right off the bat, it's only going to be federal. So ju just to start. Um, and then there's going to be a process for, you know, the, there's going to be consultations. There's going to be a number of steps there on the provincial side. But it does give you a bit of a picture as to, all right, there's a, quite a significant amount of tax that's applied. Uh, and the same thing kind of goes for uh, disposables, uh, smaller products, and and pods. But you kind of notice that there's gonna there's a bit of a difference here. So the bigger the biggest difference really kind of applies to disposables and pods. Um, and and well, it may not seem right at face value that the you know a pod, for example, uh, is is taxed at a, at, at the same level. It doesn't. It, the numbers seem less, they're actually more. Um, so when it comes down to pod systems, um, post pause and applying the, the, the tax to that, as opposed to e-liquid in a bottle, which is essentially kind of buying at bulk, right? So that there's that bulk discount and uh, uh, the different, the different uh, distribution points. But um, either way, I mean, it's still, it's still something that's, that's concerning and, and, the impact here, we're also looking at, you know, the timelines have, have an impact. Um, the the amounts that the provinces come in at, how they 
how they um, uh, interact with existing provincial tax regimes. Because we have provinces, Ontario, uh, Quebec, uh, two good examples, that we don't have a pre-existing um, provincial tax regime. Uh, but there are other provinces that do. So based on this, it, it appears that if the province, you know, cloms on with their tax, it's a double tax. It's almost 100% tax. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, that there are uh, uh, there are leeways that, that provinces can. So, I mean, the provinces are going to have to make a decision. Um, you know, like they can go with their any existing tax. They can go with this tax. Uh, it, it seems, you know, from everything that that we've we've learned uh, over this short period of time that we've had this, uh, that the intent here is, you know, it's it's at this proposed rate for provinces or, you know, not a whole lot off of that. So, I mean, it, this is, I don't want to say likely, but, you know, it, this is kind of, this is the reality of the situation we're looking at. Uh, it is a pretty substantial, I mean, if you're going from, you know, something that costs $30 right now to $50 at a time when, you know, we also have, you know, inflationary pressures, we've got, you know, the, the cost of good and goods and living increasing faster than, you know, wages can, can go up. Um, you know, it does have an impact. And, and uh, it, you know, the timing is, is also a key part of this as well. Sure. Now, on that impact, let me ask you, um, Che, is it expected that this is going to drive some vapors back to smoking? I'm sure. I'm sure it will it, to some effect. You know, sticker shock is real. Um, and and consumers are concerned and they're worried. Not only that, but it also gives the optics that this is a bad thing. So for those who are on the, on the fence and don't necessarily have the access to the information and the studies that we do, there's a large possibility that that added tax will scare them back into using tobacco cigarettes. Now, is this tax, you know, solely about generating revenue or is this also some form of punishment? Uh, well, I mean, I mean, it would be presented as, as, you know, additional revenue, uh, that would, you know, vaguely somehow impact youth uptake rates somehow. Um, you know, but at the same time, I mean, there's also an aspect here where, you know, governments across the board have been struggling with resources on enforcement. And, you know, while the excise system isn't, you know, it doesn't necessarily allow for, okay, a federal, you know, federal excise that 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 any of the revenue generated will go specifically to enforcement. Um, I mean, having that coming in, I think probably at some point it, it would. Uh, the provincial side is uh, on top of that. I mean, the, the provinces would get revenue if they sign up for it. Um, there are other aspects and, and, you know, don't get me wrong. I mean, it's not, it's not something that, uh, we would ever ask to have a tax, you know, <laughs> applied, but there's also another aspect that's actually important on both sides of this, which is illicit market, uh, products. Um, you know, one of the things that a stamp does is, you know, if you either have a stamp or you don't. It, it, it's not a matter of then looking at the, the label and, and trying to figure out whether it's compliant or, you know, 
meets certain standards. Um, if if you've got a, a a tax stamp on there that that has uh, you know an impact, um, but again, I mean, when when it comes down to where the money goes, and I mean, we would all hope that it would go more towards enforcement and and, and the objective, but at the same time, it's it's hard to say either way. I I, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to go down the the route of saying that it's it's punishment, uh, even though even though I I, I definitely understand it. Yeah, yeah. So look, is uh, I've got just, you know, two more questions on the excise tax. And I think it's really important, obviously, that we move to the TVPA review, because there is an immediate deadline, there is some urgency around that. Let me ask you, when it comes to the tax, is there I know it's just a proposed tax, how likely is it to go through? Is there anything that can be done to stop it? And have you had meetings with finance yet and any of the other departments of government? With regard to the implementation of the tax, well, so yes, I mean, I mean, we ha- we've had uh, a number of meetings. What we're doing right now is, again, as I kind of mentioned before, is really engaging with the um, you know government uh, uh, bureaucracy, the the various institutions um, and policymakers to understand you know their expectations, what their timelines are looking like. Um, you know how that how that kind of plays out for from an implementation standpoint. Um, what what is proposed right now on the timing is that um, it would come into a so so the first step here would be uh, it has to the legislation has to receive a rail assent. So the it's it's actually a lot of the legislation the the details of this is are highlighted throughout the the budget proposal and the supplementary documentation, um, and that kind of you know is is really what would be proposed and then and then it would go through this process. Now, our understanding is is that the intent here is to have that process of and then we get royal sense and everything like that uh, by this session now this session is what that means is it's scheduled to end uh june 23rd which means that we would have to go through all of these processes and again on the federal side only this only applies to the the federal aspect of this at that stage then we would have the ability as an industry to start uh seeking the or, you know applying for licensing so you know, you need to be licensed uh, in order to do this. You need to have a security on on the uh, the, the stamps. So you need to uh, include that with your with your licensing package. Um, then there's a period of time, obviously, that companies are going to need to figure out. Okay, how do we implement this into our production process? How does it how does it impact on on current labels? Do we need people applying these manually? Do we have equipment to apply them? So there's a lot of stuff to figure, still left the, to, to figure out. Uh, and one of the challenges here is, is that, you know, our, we, we always have this concern about the illicit market. And it's a very real and genuine concern because we've seen this, if something goes through too fast, that the industry doesn't have the time uh, uh, to really get in, to go through it, and and to and there's a lot of inventory on the Canadian market. You, you know, we've got over over a million, uh, 1.1 to 1.4 million vapors, and 
th over a thousand vape shops and, and convenience stores. There's a lot of inventory there. Um, the, the time that the, these processes take are a factor. Now, that's all to say that, you know, uh, it, it is a proposal. It, it, that, so that, that means by its very nature, it's not set in stone right, right yet. Their intention is there for this kind of timeline to be in play, but there are, you know, influencing factors here uh, that are important that, you know, we can't make those arguments until we have a very solid understanding of, all right, how long is it going to take to do step one, two, three, four, five, so on. Uh, and, and, and in order to make those arguments, we need to understand exactly what the rollout's going to look like. And this is a new, a new thing. This is on a new industry, not, not an industry like, like, you know, when you look at cannabis, uh, that was a new industry launching with excise tax. This is a pre-existing industry with no excise tax. So there's a difference there. And, and those factors will come into play. But when we're talking about timelines and you know, how solid are those timelines, well, understanding is the, is the name of the game here. Uh, putting all of these factors together, you know, if, if the implementation, if it can be implemented, uh, you know, across the board uh, in a reasonable amount of time. But, I mean, there, there, there's is so many issues with su there's supply chain issues. Right there's there's border issues there's there's labeling issues there's a number of factors right now because it's so early and because it lands at a particular time when we're still going through this critically important TVPA review where you know we're still in that initial phase of all right let's get all the data let's get all the information let's get all the understanding that we possibly can uh, before any any kind of real a, a position or, or a, a, you know, effort is made to say, okay, here's the additional amount of time. We can't just come up and, and say, all right, well, everybody wants more time to pay taxes, of course. That's, that's just, you know, goes without saying, and they, they understand that, right? So, so I mean, uh, uh, on our end, it's that understanding that's, that's really, really crucial on this. Um, and when it comes down to the rates, I mean, uh, it, the, the same thing kind of, you know, really, really does apply. And, and how does it impact the end consumer? What does that impact then look like uh, as it relates to uh, smoking cessation, uh, switching back? Uh, one of the, the challenges is, is this illicit market threat. Uh, you know, if, if you've got a system where it, there's, there's a massively unfair advantage in price, but not only in price, and then in in uh, scope of other restrictions. Right? We already have the nicotine restriction. You combine both of those, and and in this case, if you do that with without enough time, especially on any kind of tax regime, if it's not done right, I mean, it can be devastating. You know, the the nicotine cap already initiated in the illicit market. Um, let's not put it into overdrive, but there's a lot of work to be done there to. Yeah, figure out all those details. Sure. And let me put this question to both of you. Maybe, uh, Shay, you might want to jump in on, on this question. There has been some discussion that Health Canada's flavor ban may have stalled. And this tax is the gift back to the vaping industry. Any thoughts on that? I'm not sure who's saying that this is a gift. Um, but, you know, 
we're keeping in touch with with everyone and we're keeping our conversations open at this time. We're awaiting all the process. But of course, right now with the TVPA arising with the mandatory review, that that could be another reason why that the flavor ban is taking longer than initially expected. Right. But with regards to, say, the excise tax, doesn't it make some sense uh, that this portends that Health Canada and the federal liberal government, you know, foresee that there will be a long term Canadian vaping industry, one that's at least worth spending the millions and millions of dollars and time and effort it's going to take to implement the excise tax? Doesn't that mean that, you know, they're not going to want to, you know, kill the goose that laid the golden egg? And it could, of course, but, you know, um, when it comes down to it, I'm not one to like coincidences um, within the vaping industry. (laughs) But yeah, but on on that point, I mean, there is definitely understanding on on both ends um, between the different because they are different bureaucracies. You've got Canada Revenue Agency, Canada, uh, um, uh, uh, Canada Banknotes, CBSA, Finance. Uh, it, then you've got Health Canada and, and the bureaucracy there. There is an understanding that, and, and it's you know, one of those pieces that every time we meet, you know, there, there's a connection here uh, that we always highlight, um, that one will affect uh, the other. Uh, and when you're going down this path of, of excise tax, especially when you're projecting revenue, uh, which in this case, they have projected revenue, and I, I believe it was like six hundred and forty million dollars over five years, or something like something in and around that. Uh, you can't project revenue on something that that is going to fundamentally change in the near future. That's not to say that that's you know by any means off the table. Uh, that it's still not a path that, that's being considered. Um, but part of the work that the the trade out that we do um, and, you know, uh, our counterparts at, uh, at the CBA do as well, is, is ensuring that policymakers understand those connections that, all right, one does affect the other. Um, if, if you're going to anticipate, you know, a steady revenue source and governments love steady revenue sources, I mean, that's it, taxation, um, then, I mean, you know, implementing something that that fundamentally changes the entire nature of the industry probably isn't going to work out so well for the other for the other you know bureaucracies that are involved um so so there's a lot of that kind of intertwined engagement that that does happen um but it still it still doesn't mean to say that one one is off the table so basically in short we're cautiously optimistic Cautiously optimistic. Well, certainly if they're forecasting $600 million in revenue, they're not going to earn that all on, you know, a few tobacco flavored products. They're certainly looking at the industry as it is today. So hopefully that does mean that there might still be some access and choice uh, to nicotine vaping products in Canada, which is the big deal. Let's turn to the TVPA. Shay, what is this review that's going on? Give us the top line. So the top line, um, you know, basically it's it's giving the industry, its consumers, and of course other stakeholders, the ability to not only go over the portions of the act, but also critique 
the work that the government has done to pull together the TVPA. So it's almost like a, a job review of Health Canada. Partially. Yeah, it's, it's basically a performance review. It's a performance review. So so essentially what what uh, uh, you know these legislative reviews are and and they they can differ from industry. I mean, a lot of the times when things are working, you know, fine and everything's everybody's happy, it's it, it's a rubber stamp, it's a check check in a checkbox. Uh, in, in this occasion, you know, clearly uh, industry and consumers have engaged policymakers. There have been you know, protests, there have been events, there's been a lot of outreach, um, there's been a lot of engagement. And that has had uh, certainly an impact on policymakers and their understanding of, okay, you know, maybe there's, there's, there's something here. So when we're talking about a performance review, and, and I, okay, I, I use it loosely, but at the end of the day, the Senate... Uh, for the Tobacco and Vaping Products Act, which came out as, as Bill S-5. It was drafted initially by the Senate. They put it together. It went from the Senate to committee and then over to the House. They debated it and it got approved and it went through, which, which essentially is saying that, okay, the government has created the framework for, for this act to, to accomplish its goals. Um, uh, now, in the review... Only part of its goals are, are you know, articulated or highlighted. Um, however, the act itself was a mechanism that then provided authority to Health Canada to regulate and to create regulations under it in order to accomplish the goals of, of the act. Now, the, the responsible authority then is Health Canada, but they're also connected to you know, at the at the policy level, uh, ministers health. Uh, so so that direction also has has an impact on it. Um, but what we're looking at here is is really a legislative review that is going into quite a bit of depth. Uh, we have quite a substantial package that was produced um, uh, for this. Um, the, the, the whole discussion paper, um, there was a lot of time and effort that were put into it. I can assure you that, I mean, if there was no pushback on this, the level of effort wouldn't have been done. There's recognition that, okay, so there's some challenges. There's also this pending, um, you know, flavor restriction, this proposed uh, flavor restriction that, that came out, uh, uh, you know, some time ago just on, on uh, uh, potentially restricting flavors, and that coincides um, uh, with this review. Shay, I'm showing some of the shots here from the TVPA discussion paper. What, are your, what have your thoughts been and what's been bugging you about uh, this discussion paper? I think the, the biggest thing for me is the disconnect between the context and the questions. You know, for me... A lot of the context is really in depth. They're explaining, they're making note that, again, just like you announced at the beginning, vaping rates are going down, yet they're using older data when we know that there's newer data out there that would better support the product. So that's a there's a big contention there for me. Um, and, and the fact that they're not asking for science that opposes the current regulations, and you'll see that throughout each question in each section they're asking is there any 
um, science that could help them essentially further restrict the product or further restrict within that section without asking, is there any science or studies that you know of that has been produced that could help us understand that there's a large missing piece that I see within there. And, and, and what we, we, we've kind of seen here is, is it, it, in a way, it seems like the, the context, uh, uh, the, the text that, that they have context prior to getting into the questions, it almost seems like like they were the, the context was written by like one group of, of people or a team of people, and the questions were written by another team. Um, because a lot of times it, it just they don't really connect the two. The federal government, Health Canada, is going out and asking the public for uh, in feedback when it comes to these questions that they've got on this discussion paper. A couple of concerns that we've had at RegWatch with Bill S5 and the TVPA from day one is that it enshrines vaping as a health hazard throughout the entire document. So, you know, where's the harm reduction? Where's the discussion of the vapor? Where's the discussion even of a smoker? Uh, in this document. It seems entirely one-sided towards only youth use. Mm -hmm. No, and I agree. And that's that's an excellent question to be raised by those who are, when they're preparing their submission. Unfortunately, the basis of this consultation is looking at current restrictions and furthering restrictions if needed. And I think there is a big hole there. It seems like the automatic, the automatic kind of response is if, if, current restrictions aren't working what more restrictions can we put on it to make it and that's not always the, the answer that that's needed but it's typically that reaction that policymakers you know can have where whereas okay well you know if if you know this is still a concern what more do we need? So there's likely a tendency towards that side. Um, but at the same time, you know, with this, the way that this is kind of laid out, there's no requirement to, to, to really conform to, to this and, you know, the exact questions um, and, and the exact things that they've, they've kind of laid out. The context is actually really important in that, in that respect. It kind of lays out what the they're they're looking at now. The questions, you know, certainly are are a bit leading towards that. Okay, what more restrictions? Uh, uh, what more could we be doing in terms of restrictions that we're not doing? You know, it's leaving unsaid the aspect of, you know, are are current restrictions ineffective for a specific reason? Is there something that is failing here that you know, just adding new restrictions onto isn't going to solve. Um, and so that that's kind of the in-between part that I think, you know, is going to be important on this one uh, because it's it's not a typical Canada Gazette type of consultation. Now, does that provide some opportunity for the industry that didn't exist or does not exist when it's a regular, you know, regulatory consultation process? Absolutely. 110% at this point, 
our industry and its consumers have never been offered that platform that enables them to not only critique those who are regulating them or the products that they're using to this magnitude, but also it's, it's giving them the platform to say how they feel, how they think, and what they know. As much as we know about using vape products, and many of us for a decade or more, and, and newcomers as well, we research and research and research because this is something that we're trying to make an informed choice about. At the same time, it's very new when you're looking at bureaucrats and, and you know, regulatory bodies and the way that they're looking at it. They're looking at it through their scope and they're not necessarily seeing all of the stuff that we are because once we start vaping, we're actively seeking out proper information and we do our best to be able to provide that information to them. But this gives the platform for industry and for consumers alike to be able to provide that information on a large scale. Now, is there not usually uh, say a roadblock that health Canada kind of puts in place there that is actually you're able to skirt around that this time? So, so yeah, I, I mean, uh, not so much, you know, skirt around it, but, but um, the way that this is the, the way that this is set up. So typically anytime that we have a new regulations that are made under the act, and this is what we've been used to as the vaping industry, again, you know, understanding that this was just, you know, the, the act was passed in you know, May 23rd of 2018. So it's still a fairly new kind of thing. We haven't gone through a review before. Um, but for, for you know, the industry and for Health Canada and, and how this process typically works, when Health Canada creates the regulations, they do so almost in, in a silo, like like uh, uh, outside of any other influence or, or anything like that. They're given a directive. Here, here is the direction. You figure it out. So what that means is that is that then Health Canada would go through and and they would, uh, uh, you know, commission impact analysis, you know, impact uh, analysis, cost benefit analysis, um, the regulatory impact analysis, all of these types of things to understand, uh, you know, the the impact of what they what they would do. The entire process though begins and ends within that existing uh, uh, structure. So. Health Canada goes from you know, step one to the very end, um, and there's nothing else there. So, so it's done in in a way in isolation. Um, in this case, because this is not on a regulatory proposal, even though we have an outstanding regulatory proposal on flavor restrictions, uh, which you know is is still you know out there. Um, in this case, what actually happens is once we go through the submission process, so everybody writes all their, their submissions, everything is sent in. Um, from there, what happens is we get into uh, uh, the same kind of, and there, there's similar aspects. So the next step is we get into a bit of an analysis and Health Canada is, is in control of that. Uh, they take all of those submissions in, they review them, they determine exactly how those answers are weighed and, and how to collate them into a report. They also have control of generating that report. So, so there's an internal group that will do that. 
um, they'll put all of these things in. However, what's different in this case is that once that report is generated, it actually leaves Health Canada's kind of purview for a bit. It goes outside that. It goes it goes to uh, the House. So uh, parliamentarians then uh, have an opportunity to to review this uh, uh, report. Uh, there'd be you know some level of discussion. There's still some you know uncertainty exactly on how they're going to conduct this, but it would still be read. It would be gone through. Uh, if there'd be a debate, there'd certainly be uh, the minister of health and and the associate minister of health would would certainly be involved, um, and it would be gone through on uh, at that level. Now, you know, the, those those policymakers, the Minister of Health and Associate Minister are really kind of, you know, the bosses of, of Health Canada. Um, but because it goes outside of Health Canada's purview there, what can happen next is, all right, either we have enough information here that, okay, everything is going as planned, status quo, nothing else needs to be done, or you know, there's some clear potential uh, uh, concerns here with the act itself or how it's been carried out. Maybe there's some uh, potential changes that are recommended. Or the third option being, you know what, we don't, we, you know, despite the report, we still need more information um, that, or, or this, would, this process would benefit from more information and a, a more robust discussion. At that point, it can go to committee. And at a committee level, then there's opportunities to bring in, you know, subject matter experts and have outside testimony to come in and say, hey, here's what the impact has been on, on consumers and raise issues that, you know, the entire house isn't going to have time to get into the nitty gritty details. That's why they, you know, hand these things off to committees in the first place, because they can focus on it. They can have it by topic and they can bring in their their subject matter experts. And that's really what, you know, the industry has been kind of pushing for is that this really deserves, especially with that outstanding uh, uh, issue on flavors uh, and this review happening at the same time. On top of that, we've got excise. This is really an important time where, you know, the number, you know, the, the, the amount of submissions, all of that's going to have an impact. And, and, that's going to help motivate, you know, policymakers to say, okay, you know what? Clearly, we do need more discussion on this. We do need to address a few things and take it to that next stage. Now, if it goes that way, if it goes to a committee, typically what would then happen is that committee has their te their their hearings. Uh, they would have a certain period of time to uh, put together their own report, and that report would be recommendations. Those recommendations then would be uh, uh, sent to you know the Minister of Health and Associate Minister of Health. There'd be a decision somewhere at that level, and then and then direction could be uh, provided to Health Canada. So that's just kind of a high level of, of of how that kind of process in, interacts. But it's it's actually really important. And thank you, Brent, for actually asking that question because. The, this process is something we haven't dealt with yet as an industry. This is the first review that we've had. Um, and and it's also the first period where it's three years. From here on, it's every two years. So unlike other other things as well, I mean, it's all, you know, rubber stamp. This one, 
is already going into a lot more detail than you know a lot of legislation goes through. So the bottom line here is that this is an opportunity for vapors, regular Canadian consumers of nicotine vaping products to get comments in that might be read by those that actually are the bosses of Health Canada. It, absolutely. And that's it, incredibly important. Another important aspect here too is that the industry has actually gone through this whole experience, right? So, so industry members understand the level of enforcement, uh, the the efficacy that that enforcement has had, the, the impact that it's had, um, their experience with what industry associations have done to assist them, the challenges that they've had with regulators, where all right, we apply the you know the government applies a a, a set of regulations. Have those were those regulations easy easy enough to understand? Were were questions? I mean, I mean, questions answered. Was there specifics provided? Uh, like you know that process from the industry side. So consumers obviously are always going to be incredibly important to any kind of consultation here. In this case as well, industry is is super important because it's industry that has dealt with the impact. Uh, at, at you know a higher you know kind of a macro level, where you know we're seeing these these how this has worked, and that input is critically important to this TVPA review. That's that's really one of the kind of key messages we're we're trying to provide here is you know that experience of of you know what you've dealt with as a single shop, as a chain of 50 shops, as a manufacturer or distributor, whatever it is, that's important because that tells a story about how effective these regulations have been um, and, and what the challenges were, because then we can, we can put those together. And, and in this case, because it's not all within Health Canada alone, it goes outside, there's a bit more um, accountability. There's, you know, if, you, if, if, you know, uh, dozens of, of industry members, uh, uh, you know, vape companies are saying, hey, you know, X is a thing that we're dealing with here and we're not getting any answers or we're not getting this. Well, I mean, you know, like, like, it's not like that stays within isolation within Health Canada. It goes outside their purview. So, so it, it helps to just identify issues that maybe they're not fully appreciating at just the Health Canada level. And that, that can actually be very productive into creating a better, maybe not necessarily the better act, but the regulation or better uh, approaches um, addressing various other you know, concerns. Perfect. Perfect. So Shay, let me ask you, what's the advice? Uh, we, we've got what now, maybe six days left. 28th is the deadline. If, if I'm not mistaken, we had David Levesque on, uh, a couple of weeks ago, driving people to the TVPA, uh, review.ca website to put together a submission to make it a little easier. What's your advice and your counsel to people who've yet to actually put something in? This is the number one thing that vapors and the industry alike need to be focused on before anything else right now. Like I said previously, we have never been given this platform that enables them to critique uh, 
and provide that information to the people who are making the regulations on a product that they're choosing to use. They need to step up. They need to to get on writing their submission, ask for help. The industry is a very supportive place full of people that are willing to help. So you don't need a scholar to be able to write your submission. And I know that there's a lot of apprehension on ensuring that it's written properly. It's very straightforward. It's easy to do. And it's so important right now. We're at a crucial time. We've been under barrage of constant, you know, regulatory changes for the last several years. And I know that everybody is tired. It's, it's been a hard fight up until this point. So, you know, for me, it's just, we all support one another. This is for the category. It's for harm reduction. We need to come together once again and, and stand side by side and make sure that we get our submissions in so that the proper information is getting to those regulators. And do you have any specific advice in terms of how to handle some of the sections and areas of the review, the discussion paper? My largest thing is read the context. That's the main thing, because like Daniel and myself have both pointed out, and and you as well, the questions don't necessarily align with the context. So read that context first, then write your, your response to that, whether that be your answering the actual questions or your your full response i think that once you actually read the context it will give you a, a better feeling on what to write and if i can add uh, uh there brent um just uh, uh, for who does what like so there is a phenomenal tool the tvpa reviewed uh, .ca. Um, uh, that website it provides a, a, a great resource. They've got two options where, you know, one side is is more of a custom and one side is a little bit more form. Um, you know, that and that's that's great. It's fantastic, especially for consumers, for employees, uh, and you know, certainly employees that um, you know might not have you know a lot of vested interest or or a lot of time uh, uh, in industry. Uh, when it comes down to, um, you know, business owners uh, who have been part of the industry for some time, um, it, the recommendation uh, that we would provide um, uh, would be like, if you can write your own, talk about your experience, talk about and, and, and view this as an opportunity for constructive criticism. Uh, of this this process, how things have happened from you know May twenty third, twenty eighteen, right up to today, when it comes to enforcement, when it when it comes to uh, uh, getting further information, um, the 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 more the more custom, the more uh, uh, that you write on it, the better it is, because again, that you know that committee who's got to analyze that that goes through you know a whole process. If they're form letters, it takes less time. Uh, if they're if they're all if they're a large portion are unique, um, and and that was one of those great things about that actual that that tool there because there's so much you know uniqueness to it, so it's it's really great. But we're also saying that like there's an expectation here for industry members that have been part of this for for some time, um, really to put some time and effort into the submission if you need support. It's out there from, you know, various associations. Um, there's there's been numerous webinars on it, uh, and those re- webinar recordings. 
Um, but it, this is actually a very critical time. And, and as Shay, you know, put it very well, like this needs to be the focus right now. Well, yes, we've got excise tax, you know, dropped on us. Um, we have it here. We've got to deal with it, of course. And it's, it's also a, a, a big, a big thing. Uh, but we have until next Wednesday, April 27th to get these submissions in they that needs to be the focus for right now uh excise tax nothing's going to change in, in the next week we need to focus let's get this stuff uh in and done submit questions uh to whatever your you know association representatives are uh there's there's assistance um you know but this is this needs to be the focus and it also needs to be a focus for like you know employees employees they all should be uh, submitting uh ideally if you can get those employees to get their families um and 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 what they've experienced use your experiences as part of this because again in the context of almost a performance review i know of course it's going to be you know one-sided from our end but it's it's critically important and the more that we get here, um, the more time it takes. And, and th that's not the, certainly by no means the only goal here, but time is a factor. More of it that we have, the, the better that we can prepare. And as we're hopeful for a committee uh, to happen, it just gives us a bit more time to prepare for that and to prepare arguments and research and various other uh, data. But all of that gets collated into a final report um, it's going to be really difficult it, 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 for Health Canada just to, to kind of put all of these submissions off. And I don't think that they would at this stage. Uh, I think that they're going to be fairly inclusive when it comes down to, you know, the the, the general uh, tone of, of all the responses. We're not sure exactly how they're going to weigh them, but it, I think it's going to be um, at least, you know, uh, a bit different from what we've seen in the past because it does go outside of Health Canada's purview for a time.